podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi, this is the analyst inside cricket looking back at the second day's play in the Adelaide day-night test match and... Simon, uh, you were watching on ten to hooks all day, probably feeling a bit sorry for the England bowlers who had a day of hard yakka trying to whittle out the the last few Australian wickets and failing, and then Australia actually declaring, trying to get England in and probably knock over three wickets overnight under the floodlights. But actually, the rain sort of came to save England a bit, didn't it? It did. It was a huge bonus for England because Australia planned it nicely. They they batted. Past the dinner break, which is the second break in the day, you knew they were going to declare. They did. I mean, it's a relatively low total to declare with, 442 for eight, but they wanted to get England in under lights. They had 9.1 overs at them, and then the rain came. It, it did ease off, but the ground just wasn't in good enough condition for them to come out and, and bowl the remaining overs. So a bonus for England. They only lost the one wicket, Stoneman LBW, to a full ball from Stark. Relief ring that they got off the field and could at least restart on the third day in natural light. Obviously, just a bit harder under lights, especially against that quality pace attack that Australia have of Stark, Hazelwood and Cummings. Actually, just before they came off, there was a huge appeal for a catch behind against Alistair Cook, Cummings' first ball. But the replay showed it clipped his pocket and Cook rightly survived. They certainly asked a few questions of the England openers, the Australian fast bowlers with that fuller length there seemed to be a bit of late swing for for Mitchell Stark as well and full length was was the key to it wasn't it the LBW to Stoneman that was the full length that that England didn't seem to produce early in the innings when they bowled on the first day Uh, there's been a fair bit of criticism of of England's bowling and being a bit negative a bit back of a length sort of on the first day but actually I feel today they lacked a little bit of of sort of nastiness you know when Pat Cummins was digging in with with Sean Marsh and it, you know, it was a good partnership but there was no one kind of going round the wicket and bowling into the ribs or anything until pretty much the, the, the partnership had already been established and a couple of balls I think from either Overton or Wokes he went round the wicket and dug a couple into the ribs but by that time Cummins had got 35 and Sean Marsh had got his 100 and actually there was a ball to Marsh really towards the end of his innings where he got one that bounced up at him and he fended it off and it just looped into the slips and the slips managed to get in the way of each other and dropped it but I just felt that was symptomatic of England's lack of kind of a bit of malice that that they're obviously going to get when Australia bowl at the lower England order you know there's going to be not too many pitched up there but England just didn't have that tactic to, to, to use, did they? Or they didn't seem to want to, to go to that tactic. Well, two things about that. I think, one, they haven't got the attack out here to, to really get it up the nose of the Australian batsman. That's, that's one thing. And we, we sort of knew that before the, the start of the tour. And in, in, a, in a way, all the things that we thought would happen or could happen in this Ashes series so far pretty much have happened in the first seven days of the series. So that's one point. England's attack looking a bit toothless against Australia's batting lineup. Australia's bowling attack looking quite potent against England's batting lineup. And then the, the top class players that Australia have, Warner got runs in the second innings at Brisbane, Smith got runs in the first innings at Brisbane. They both got useful runs in the second innings as well. That's one point. The other point is, is they did try early on with Cummings. Broad was bouncing Cummings early on, but he played it so well. But you're right, they didn't go round the wicket. 
Jeffrey Boycott was actually making the point on Test Match Special that if you're going to bowl short at Cummings, don't bowl over the wicket. Go round the wicket, post a, a leg slip or a leg gully and someone close in in front of square on the leg side and test him out like that, get it into the ribs. And they didn't do that. Fair play to Cummings, though. He, he, he did play the short ball really well and it, it took him a long, long time to get off the mark. Didn't seem to trouble him. And he's got a great temperament. He, he definitely has some promise. If he can stay fit, he's going to be a, a really important cricketer for Australia, not just with the ball, but also potentially with the bat. Actually, Damien Fleming on telly said exactly that, that he thinks that if he does stay fit with his 90-mile-an-hour bowling and his definite ability with the bat, he could take Australia to number one team in the world in a few months' time. So... You, you can see why they had all the enthusiasm that they have had for several years over Pat Cummins. I, I don't know. I, I just The trouble is that England's... You know, Chris Wokes is a, is a classic example of someone who's a fine bowler, but he's just, I think he's too nice. You know, he, he, you, sometimes you want them to, to really glare at the batsman and make the batsman feel uncomfortable and say a word or two to them. This is the lower order players, and nobody feels comfortable, however good you are. If you've got someone coming round the wicket trying to target your ribs, You've got a man in leg gully, you've got a, sh- a short leg as well, a man out on the hook. There's not many shot options you've got. You've got to kind of wear it and, uh, you know, the, the bowl comes following through with a few verbals as well and, and, you know, a few glares and things. And that just makes a batsman feel uncomfortable. We're not good enough in these overseas conditions at making batsmen feel uncomfortable. Well, they tried it with... Steve Smith, when he came into bat, Stuart Broad got yeah, into did. his ear. They that did. was you're one right. example of it. But you're right. I mean, thinking about Chris Wokes, he's the nicest man in cricket, even nicer than you, Simon. And, you know, he, he's just not in his nature. That, that, that it's just not what he's about. You know, he's become a, a much improved cricketer. I, I don't think he's quite his best out here. Perhaps he's not as, his best overseas. His record in England is far better than his overseas but he hasn't had a huge amount of bowling this year he was right on top of his game before he got injured during the Champions Trophy and he hasn't recaptured that just yet whether he'll be able to recapture it here I'm not sure it may be that Australian conditions are just not that conducive to Wokes's type of bowling but you know it's it's a bit like asking a a leopard to change his spots and you've said in the past that you didn't really sledge batsmen and, and, and it's just not really in Wokes's nature I don't think. No, I, I mean, you're absolutely right. The, the trouble is that I think you need that in Australia. You know, to get wickets on Australian pitches with the rubbish kookaburra ball, you need pace or aggression or a combination of the two. You know, I was once playing in a, in a Sydney grade match and, you know, I'd taken, I don't know, two for 75, two for 80 or something. And we finished up having to field for about 45 minutes on the at the end of a match, which was a draw. And we had to go back in and field again for just the last sort of hours play. And I was thinking, oh, God, we've got to go back and, and field again, having already bowled 30 overs in the first innings. And I said, well, you know, what, how should we bowl? And, and the captain, who is an Aussie captain, Sydney grade team, said, uh, I just want you to hit a couple of their batsmen because they've made us go out and field for half an hour, 40 minutes. I want you to hit a couple of them. And I, I thought, OK, I, actually, that's a good idea. And I did. And I was really aggressive and I broke somebody's cheekbone. You know, but you, you've got to kind of do something on this pitch. It's not good enough just to hang in there and hang the ball outside off stump and hope that batsmen are going to make a mistake. On these sorts of pitches, you've got to be aggressive. And like you said, you know, all the sort of rather pessimistic predictions that we made before the series began are looking a little bit apparent. What about the the, the decision to, uh, to put them in in the first place? 
Well, we discussed this yesterday, didn't we? That you know, I could understand why Joe Root made the decision. It was overcast. There'd been some rain around. You know, it was a day-night test match. It was cool. You could you could understand it. Other pundits, uh, you know, I mentioned Jeffrey, Michael Vaughan said bat first. It looked like a a bat first pitch. I asked Trevor Bayliss about it tonight, in post-match interview or post-day interview, and he said it wasn't a mistake. They didn't bowl particularly well right at the start of the day, and they didn't, and that sort of just let off Australia off the hook a little bit with the, the new ball, but they regrouped after they went off for rain, and, and he said he thought they bowled quite well. But, you know, look at the scoreboard. 442 for eight declared. In hindsight, the wrong decision. Also because the ball has turned as well. It turned for Moen and for Root today, and Lyon is lurking in the jungle there, waiting to be brought into the attack. You didn't see him tonight because we didn't have that many overs. Lyon could well be as much a threat as the, the three Australian quicks on the final three days of the match. England have got 19 wickets left. Somehow they've got to prevent Australia from taking 19 wickets in the last three days of the game. And how's the weather going to be? Do you think, do you think it could help? Well, showers around. It's, it's, it's that sort of weather. It's not particularly nice. It's not very Australian, really. It reminds me of playing a test match in England. Just on the pace situation, Simon, in an extra pace, there is a suggestion that, that Mark Wood might be added to the England squad in time for the Perth test match. England have a two-day warm-up game at the weekend, Saturday and Sunday in Perth. And Wood might well play in that. And if he comes through it, they'll have to assess his fitness. If he comes through it, then he could feature in the Perth Test match. And of course, a, a fit Wood, as we saw last summer at times, I remember that ovary bowl at Southampton in the one-day international against South Africa, that fantastic final over. A fit Wood would give England an extra dimension. I mean, they do lack something like that out here. Other people have said, oh, plunk it. But then we've discussed this before, that he's only played two championship matches last season, doesn't play a huge amount of first-class cricket and he took six wickets last season. He, he's not here, he would have been a, another option. But the attack, it does feel as if the, the attack needs a bit more pace. Look at Overton, for example. Uh, Craig Overton playing his first test match. Uh, there were times today when he was below 80 miles an hour. He has got the advantage of height and the extra banks, but he hasn't got that ex- express pace that his brother's got. Uh, they would love to have someone of, of his size and pace out here, but he's not fit either. England's options are quite narrow. That, that's one of the problems. You know, it's like people saying that they needed that extra pace option, but but who? Well, undoubtedly, Mark would be a, a valuable addition. You can just see that, that extra bit of pace that England really need. I suppose the, the one thing they can think with three days of the Adelaide Test to go is that the pitch actually does look pretty good, so there's no reason to suggest England can't get 400 on it. Well, that's what they've got to look at. Firstly, they've got to avoid being asked to follow on, whether Australia would enforce it, possibly not, especially with the ball turning and, and the prospect of, of Lyon bowling in, in the fourth innings. It, it did look reasonable today. Just the odd ball misbehaved. I just wonder that extra pace that Australia have got will be a, a factor, and Lyon as well. I mean, I do fear for England in this Test match. There is enough time for Australia to force a victory Clearly, if they get a lead, then they can back quickly in their second innings and then England will be under pressure on the final day, potentially. There is also the, the, the possibility that if England do get bowled out cheaply, Australia can enforce the follow-on. But you'd think that for that to happen, England would have to be bowled out for you know, 130, 300 behind and then Australia have another go under lights. You know, If they've got a situation where England were bowled out and they, they could bowl again under lights on the third day, then that... that is an option, but you know all the cards 
are with Australia and England. We have to fight hard to, to stay in the game. Their, their best option you know, looks to be a draw. I mean, you could see a scenario where England did back well and get 400 and then put some pressure on Australia in the third innings. But you feel, I mean, everyone's talking about this is the game England need to win. You know, if, they, if you offered them a draw at the moment, well, they would bite your hand off. I think they've just got to think positively about that famous Adelaide test of 2006-07 when England got 500 and Australia got pretty much the same uh, and then knocked England over quickly and knocked off the runs. So it is possible to win batting last in Adelaide. Admittedly, they did have Shane Warne and Glenn McGrath in their attack, which I guess did help to impose a bit of sort of hypnosis on the England batsmen. But it is still possible... But they've got to play incredibly well. Well, you are the supreme optimist. Uh, you know, it's Australia the draw, England for me at the moment. Uh, you know, if, if they did get out of it with a draw, then that would be a, a decent result. One nil with three to play. The weather might play a part as well. That might help them. It did tonight. We'll make up some of the time on the third day. One other thing I think we should mention as well. We've talked about the England side of things. Australia's selections. Remember when their squad was picked for the first test match, the, the, the local media, the Australian media were, were piling in. Payne, how can you pick Payne? Marsh, not another chance of him. You know, his eighth time he's been brought in. Bancroft in for Renshaw. Poor old Renshaw, you know, he, he, he was the man in occupation. They brought in Bancroft, albeit he was in good form in, in domestic cricket. And those selections are not looking too bad tonight. A very, very valuable half-century from Payne today. Counter-attacking, making 57 before he was caught on the boundary off Overton. Sean Marsh, thou, thou shalt not pass innings from him. It wasn't, there was no frills attached to it until right at the end when he hit a couple of fours and drove Stuart Broad back over his Head for six. Shouldn't pick Sean Marsh, they said, when well, he made a valuable half-century in the first test. 126 not out here. And, of course, Cameron Bancroft made 82 not out in his first test match. So those selections not looking too bad at the moment, I think it's, it's fair to say. Selectors don't get everything wrong, Simon. Well, bottle of champagne from Simon Mann to the Australian selectors. Woohoo! Fantastic. <laughs> I'm just thinking that this time tomorrow we're going to be celebrating 150 from Joe Root. So tune in around midday tomorrow and we'll look back on the third day's play. Thanks for listening. Thanks very much. Well, we'll look forward to that. Podcast Network.